0: Good evening. I was uh, asked to speak last night uh, so that kind of shows you how uh, much time I had to prepare on this one, uh, but I didn't mind because uh, I was approached and I was asked why I wasn't here the last like month as you've noticed the last like month and a week I've been missing here and there and uh, I've been here for the nights, but I haven't been here for the mornings. And uh, because I've been working with Riverside uh, Bethel Chapel doing their uh, Boys Brigade, so I've been down there every morning because I was doing their business meetings, trying to propose a budget. And and uh, I didn't even know how much <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing half the time. And they were looking at me like, "Hey, you know, what do I need to do?" And so I was learning very quickly on what needed to be done. But nonetheless, I had to go down there several different times to order things and to set it in stone. So I've been missing here and there. And Mr. Farrick said that he wanted to get me up here, but uh, every time he would remember, I wasn't here. And, you know, and so it was just went back and forth. So last night, um, he walked up to me and said, you know, is it too late? And I had said, yes, uh, you know, it's tomorrow. <laughs> but as I was thinking about it, when I was preparing for a Boys Brigade, I'm speaking at this one, starting off. And as I was preparing, I noticed there was a lot of more information than what I would give to the Boys Brigade, so I thought next time I was asked to speak, I would speak on this topic. And so since he asked me last night, I was kind of convicted, I was like, eh, I said, no, but I, I technically do have something once I thought about it." So I called him back and said, "You know, I would love to speak." On that note, I would like to speak on uh, Luke chapter one. If you guys want to turn, uh, turn there. I know the last time I spoke, I also talked about being ready in and out of season, and how when I went down to Riverside the first time, uh, around I think it was Christmas time, I had shown up, and. You know, I haven't seen these guys in forever, and then they asked me right off the bat, hey, did you want to lead the uh, high school class? Are, are teachers missing? You know, would you like to speak? I'm sitting there like, hello, you know, I'm, I'm new here. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I didn't even know who the guy was that came up and talked to me. Um, so, and then the verse came right into my mind, right as he was asking me, be ready in and out of season. So I said I would take it. And so this time it came up again, and the same verse hopped in my head right when he asked me, are ready in and out of season, even after I had said no, um, and I had changed my mind. But if you look at uh, Luke, Luke is a doctor, and um, it's kind of cool to see how he writes out this book, because if you know a doctor, is very precise. They have to do everything in order. Um, if you skip a step when you're under surgery, you know, bye-bye, you know. And you've seen a lot of people, things go wrong, and they have to know how to fix that right off the bat, right off the top of their head. If something goes wrong or begins to go wrong, they have to know how to fix that. So Luke, being a doctor, even says it right in the very beginning. If you look at the first verse, it says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. So even right there, he's saying, I'm going to go in order. There's an order here. Um, there's a story. I'm going to start from beginning and I'm going to go to end. I'm not going to kind of do like movies do nowadays where they start in the middle and then they kind of work back to the beginning and then they shoot you at the very end. You know, at the very end, they go way towards the end. So um, he's not going to do that. He said, I'm going to go in order from the beginning to the end and I'm going to add some stuff maybe that these other um, gospel people have missed or um, add in his own stuff. Also, it's, it's cool to note that Luke is uh the only gentile writer in the New Testament. I thought that was very interesting and something I have learned. Uh, as I was listening to speakers and I was listening or as I was looking at commentaries. Also Luke was called the beloved doctor by Paul in Colossians. And it's kind of cool that he was called the loved doctor, you know. Some people, you know, go their whole lives in their their careers and never noticed. But Paul looks at Luke and says, hey, you know, there's something different about you. And so if we keep on looking at Luke 1, uh, the second verse, just as those who are from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. And um, it's kind of cool how he uses uh, the phrase the word, which is another name for Christ. And right here, they're saying they're ministers of Christ and eyewitnesses. So not only is he taking things that are written, most people will take all these written accounts and make their story and put it together. But Luke instead says, you know what, I'm going to take even oral accounts. I'm going to take things that were reported, things I've heard, and I'm going to make a story out of it, and I'm going to tell one. And so if you keep on going through, um, from the beginning, he's saying from the very beginning. And he's going to start with John the Baptist and and Zacharias. He's not going to start with Christ. He actually wants to start with someone that was born just a few months before Christ uh, to start the story because he was the forerunner. Um, If you notice that uh, Zacharias has a kid and his name was John the Baptist, and he was supposed to be the forerunner. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So if we keep on looking at verse three, and it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account. Most excellent, Theophilus, if I got that word wrong, I'm sorry, that you may know uh, the certainty of those things which you were instructed. So he's also saying that I'm gonna tell you this story. And he's saying, I, I have known from the very beginning, I have understood everything, it's not the story was told to me and then I kind of piece things together. He kind of understood it from the very beginning, and he wants to give it now to us. And it's very interesting that if you look at it, um, that you may certainly know these things. Um, He wanted to do it without question. He didn't want you to read his story and then say, well, what happened here? Well, what happened there? But he wanted to do it in such a way that we could understand fully what's happening. And most people, they'll just give you a little detail here, a little detail there. But he wanted to go into full account of what happened. So if we look at Verse five, and this is the story that I want to kind of get into, um, not not the part where Jesus was born, but just the the part of Zacharias. And in verse five, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments. And ordinances of the Lord blameless, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in age. So, right here, you're seeing that um, in the in the days of King Herod, who was uh, out to kill Jesus, there was a priest Zacharias, and he was of the division of Abijah. And if you remember in First Chronicles uh, twenty four, it talks about the division. Um, how they took all the priests and they divided it into 24 shifts. So uh, they would be called at least twice a year to serve as a priest. And Bill McDonald kind of goes into it and explains that there are so many priests that they might not get the same job every time. So if you get a job, that's probably a once-in-a-lifetime job that you're going to get that. And uh, keep that in mind as we're looking. But it's also cool to find out that they were both found blameless. It's not that they were sinless, but when they would sin, they would offer a sacrifice. They would get right with God through uh, the rituals that they have. And also, obviously, that they cannot have any children. And that plays a key in this story. And if you look at verse 8, So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, According to the customs of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. When he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people uh, were praying outside at the hour of incense, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, the priesthood, his lot fell on it. So, uh, as Bill McDonald explained uh, as I was reading it, is that, like I said, there were so many priests that his lot fell on the incense. That's like once in a lifetime. Like, he'll never get that opportunity to um, to do this again. And he also goes on to say how cool is it that Luke starts off with the assembly praying outside uh, in the temple. And then at the end of Luke, it shows that the whole assembly was praising God and how he starts with, you know, praying... And he ends with praising. And it's kind of cool how he tells a story. And then also the the angel appeared to him standing on the right side. You know, the right side of the altar. uh, A place of honor or favor. And then verse 12, if we can look at that. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth... Will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall uh, drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many uh, of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. So now Zacharias is is in the temple and he's burning incense and an angel appears on the right side of the altar as he's burning incense. Um, From what I was told, the burning of the incense wasn't supposed to take um, as long as what Zacharias did. They, they could tell that something was wrong because he was in there longer. And it was because this angel was talking about, um, the Lord has heard your prayer. When the incense goes up, um, it was a symbol of the prayers going up to the Lord. And it was kind of interesting to, to see that your prayer was heard. She was barren. It says they were advanced in age, So maybe this was a prayer that he had prayed earlier in his life. Maybe he was still praying it. Um, It doesn't say exactly when he was praying it. He could have been praying it at that exact moment. But the angel says, your prayers were heard, or your prayer was heard. And you will have a child, even in your old age. And it will bring gladness to you and to the people. And then also uh, the angel starts going on and saying that, they will separate this kid from the world. This kid will not drink wine. This, this kid will not have strong drink. Um, and it will be... Uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon the child uh, in the womb. And obviously later on in the story, you, you see that when Mary comes and visits Elizabeth, that's when um, the child leaps, and they were filled with the, the Spirit. But this John was supposed to be like Elijah. And he was supposed to bring the the children of Israel back into a right relationship with God. And he was supposed to... um, And he was preaching that... um, that you need to have a right relationship with God through repentance, like Elijah did. And he was going to go preach that. And he was going to say, hey, you know, you need to turn uh, the hearts of the Father to the children to see... Do they understand um, what they are taught? You know, nowadays, you know, most of these, these people, you know, we are, we are accountable for the younger people. We are accountable for what we teach them. And this angel is saying that this John guy is going to go around and, and beg with people to, to not only look at their own lives, to turn their hearts back to God, but also what about your family? Like, are you, are you considering them? Uh, in their walk, I know that uh, obviously I don't have any kids, but I do consider Riverside, you know, the kids that I, I mentor. You know, I go down there and I take time out of my life to go down there to help them, to move them along in the relationship with God. And just like uh, this angel said, Elijah, Elijah, uh, John is going to do that. He's going to come in and he's going to help people along. To get back to God. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And he was supposed to go beforehand and get these people ready for Christ when he comes. To walk with him and to talk with him. And then if you look at verse 18, it goes on to say, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Which is a nice way to say that she was old. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. He didn't call her old or ugly or ragged or wrinkly, but he just said advanced in years. I thought that was the nice way to say it. Um, He says he's old, but, you know, that's a different story. But he didn't believe, and that's the thing. He was a priest. He was doing priestly duties, and he was standing before this altar, and he was to raise incense up to God. And... um, But yet he did not believe. And and I thought that was very interesting. You know, if anyone didn't believe, you would think it would be someone that John talked to after he was born. Or um, Zacharias telling the story like, hey, I'm going to have a kid, and the people don't understand. But a priest to stand in the temple doing what he's supposed to be doing and not believing kind of makes me wonder. And I you know traveling around i've seen different churches where there was leaders that didn't know what they were doing um, and they were trying to lead but they had no clue you know they didn't know any biblical background and uh, we saw some churches fall apart and we were there to help them lift them back up also in my own life i was thinking um, at this point you know what about the boys brigade Because I'm I'm going down there and I'm acting as if I know what I'm doing, proposing a budget, proposing how to get started, when I've never started the program myself. I know how to run it, but I didn't know how to start it. And so I was kind of thinking of, of this too in that aspect. But if you look at verse 19, and the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you do not believe my word, which will be fulfilled in their own time. The angels are saying is that you can't, you can't change the facts. This is what's going to happen. Um, it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. And because you do not believe, you are going to be mute. You won't be able to tell people what I'm telling you right now. And so when he ends up leaving the temple and walks outside to the congregation, he can't say a word, you know, and he might have looked crazy, like, you know, using hand, uh, hand signals and like, people are like, eh, do you smell the fumes a little bit too much? Uh, what's going on? But he had to learn how to either write it down, he had to either get a tablet write it down he had to um, make signs that were recognizable Um, i know i was doing sign language and the teacher was doing sign language to me and i'm like yeah right i have no clue i got maybe one word out of that whole symbol that you did Um, it was hard but because he did not believe it was harder on him because he did not have that faith that he should have had being in the presence of god knowing that god could talk to him at any time It's a living tabernacle and not believing, not having that faith. But also we see in the word other examples of this. Uh, You see Moses in the burning bush. You know, the Lord speaks to him and says, hey, you know, I want you to go back to Egypt and free my people. And he goes, well, I'm not good at speaking. So what? You know, what are we going to do? And the Lord has to end up bringing Aaron in to do the speaking for Moses, and it's kind of interesting to see that that there are people that don't believe, and what it what it does is just makes everything harder in the long run. Um, even it shows in the next the next little story, even Mary, um, not technically not believing, but she didn't understand how she could have a kid if she's never known a man, and so even that kind of is almost doubting and then you obviously have doubting Thomas you know with the resurrection you know he doubted that, that Christ came back and stood in front of the disciples and Jesus had to come back a second time and stand in front of them and say well here you know come come touch my wounds and and it's interesting in our own lives are we are we praying knowing that prayers are going to be answered i know up at camp this summer i had uh, i was asked to be a counselor. And I had the attitude of, okay, it's just another camp. I'll just go up, do my time, come back, you know, and have a, a, a regular summer. Well, when I was up there, the Lord said, hey, this is not going to happen as you want it to. And the first night, he kind of rearranged my whole attitude. Um, like I said, I had the attitude of whatever. But when I was up there, I, I just knew that the first night Like I was breaking down thinking, man, why was I thinking that? I'm so stupid. You know, I'm up here for the Lord. And um, the Ferrags had a little bookmarker of all the verses to give out the gospel. Now, I've given out the gospel many times before on the team. But, you know, obviously not me, not putting Christ first always, you slack. And you end up having trouble later on in life. And because I wasn't completely believing the word and staying in it all the time, I'm not saying that I denied any of the Bible, but not believing that I should stay in it every single day, I was slacked. And so I, I, didn't, I wasn't prepared. And I know that when I was up there, I was asking the kids, and, you know, a couple of them said, yeah, I'm saved, you know, and some of them weren't. And so I was sitting there, I was like, well, you know, I need to tell these guys, you know, the gospel, and so uh, the first night, you know, I, gave, I tried to give the gospel, tried to get to know him first. And then I gave the gospel. Well, it wasn't until Tuesday night I had some really rough kids, had some language problems, some kids that um, when I was trying to do devotion, if he looked at him, he would giggle, then he would giggle, and then it would wake this kid up, and, you know, and, and there was like a chain reaction. But I, I remember um, praying, Lord, you know, help me. Help me understand how to give these guys the gospel. Help me give me the words to give these kids. And I knew that I wouldn't see these kids saved unless I saw something like Zacharias, you know, uh, you know an angel or something. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I wanted to see an angel. But, um, you know, he saw an angel. He saw, you know, an act of God right in front of him telling him what's going to happen. But I just simply prayed. I remember walking to the cabin, Lord, um, give me the words to speak and help me out well, I know the one kid that was always a talker that will always get us off subject couldn't speak. He had lost his voice somehow during that day, and so he couldn't talk. So he was tired, so he he was out within, like, five minutes of being in the cabin. Um, there was another quiet one. He was out. So I was down to three. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, let's, let's work with this here. And I remember um, that one of them... Uh, One of them, because the other guy fell asleep because he couldn't talk, he was like, well, whatever. And he fell asleep right away, too. Because if his buddy wasn't going to help ruin my devotion, then he was just going to go to bed. So then I was down to two kids. Well, then one of them said, can I just lay down? Can I just put my head on the pillow? And I was like, well, not really, because I know once your head touches that pillow, it's like fairy dust, you know, and you're going to be out in 10 seconds. But I said, whatever, anyways. So he lay down. Well, the one the one left, the one that I really wanted to talk to, put his head down. I was like, oh, there goes devotion. But within seconds, he came back up and he sat back up and he goes, No, he goes, if I put my head down, I'm gonna fall asleep. I really want to pay attention to this. And he's like, because I want to get saved. And it caught me off guard. And I and when I was reading the story of Zacharias, I was thinking exactly that that situation, how I was caught off guard. How I wasn't ready to do God's work. And um, I ended up talking to the kid. I wanted, I also, and it says that, um, it was kind of cool in this verse uh, when we were looking at verse 20, and it says it'll be fulfilled in its own time. And and it's interesting how it says that, because God's on his own time. We can't speed things up, we can't slow things down. It's gonna happen when God wants it to happen. And I remember that night, I said, okay, I have this much time for devotion. Um, this one kid wanted to take a shower. I'll let him take a five-minute shower. By 11, I got all these kids in bed, and they're going to be out. Well, with things happening, and the kid's falling asleep, and the one staying up and saying he want to get saved, I started talking to him. And then I remember bringing him down closer to me so I'm not yelling across the room so they could sleep. I brought him down closer, started talking to him, and I said, well, now you're at the point where you have to decide what you want to do. And just like... Um, Zacharias, you know, he prayed a prayer, and the Lord heard it, but technically he didn't really believe in that prayer because he was caught off guard when that prayer was answered. When the angel came down and said, hey, your prayer was heard, and now it's going to be answered, he was caught off guard. And we shouldn't be caught off guard, and I was. And when I talked to that kid, I said, hey, you know, this is the time you have to decide whether you want to accept the Lord or not. And either you want to do it out loud or you want to do it silently. And he did it silently, and he accepted the Lord. And I asked him questions afterwards just to make sure he was saved. And he was. And then I I looked at the time, and it was midnight. So it was an hour past the time I wanted to get him going. And I said, hey, you got five minutes. Take a shower. You know, these kids don't really take a shower anyways. They just rinse off. But I said, hey, go take a shower. So he hopped in. And when he came back out, I was like, you know what? And I told him, I was like, hey, his name was Christian. I said, Christian, you know, thank the Lord that he saved you. Even if we don't believe at the end when Zacharias, when he had John, he was able to speak again. They asked him what name did they want to give the kid. And they were going to give him Zacharias after his father's name or after his name, too. But um, Elizabeth said, no, it, it, his name's John. And uh, it says that Zacharias quickly grabbed the tablet and wrote John and held it up. And right right when that happened, he was able to loosen his tongue and he was able to tell him what happened. And everyone was happy. So you can still, even though we mess up, even though we're not ready, we can still rejoice in the things that the Lord gives us. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, thank the Lord for saving you. And he said, you know what, the whole five minutes I was in the shower is thanking him every minute. He was thanking the Lord in the shower. I didn't have to tell him to do it. He was doing it for himself. And, and the thing is, is just the, the thing I wanted to get across is being caught off guard. Since the last time I spoke, so many times the Lord has caught me off guard because he's trying to keep me on my toes. He wants me to always be looking for him. Because even that next day, none of the kids want to talk about God. During all the meals, it was so hard getting them to not talk about anything else but God. But that next breakfast, we did nothing but talk about God. And everyone was looking at Christian. Um, it was kind of awkward starting off. Everyone was looking at Christian. And they go, why is he smiling? Like, he's not a kid that smiles. But he's a kid that likes to have fun. So I don't know how that works out. But I said, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him yourself? And so the kid, like, okay. like looks over. He goes, Christian, why are you smiling? And he goes, because I got saved last night. And then the one kid that lost his voice that couldn't speak spoke again and said, I wanted to get saved. Why didn't you wake me up? I was like, cause if you woke up, I wouldn't a Christian wouldn't have gotten saved if you woke up. There's no way. I was like, I was like, well, the Lord, see, the Lord jinxed you, and you can't, you know, no, I didn't say that. But anyways, he he said, I wanted to get saved. And then the kid that always messes around with him said I wanted to get saved. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, are they, are they being real or are they just joking with me? But I couldn't let that pass by. I couldn't let them just go on with their day because then they're going to forget about it. You know, being all boys camp, they forget what they had for breakfast 10 seconds after they ate. So I, I wanted to get, you know, on that. So I asked people to watch over my campers and while they were doing um, chapel time, I went back to the cabin and I spoke with um, his name was Johnny. He was the one that lost his voice. And so I started talking to him. Well, the kids aren't supposed to, and I don't know how this kid got out of chapel without anyone noticing him. But the other one that always messes around with that kid walks in. And I'm like, isn't it chapel? And he goes, yeah, but you know what? I was wearing this shirt, and it just felt really weird. There was, like, something wrong with my shirt, and I wanted to change my shirt. And I was like, well, how would you get past every single person walking out the chapel? to the camp, because they're not supposed to go back to their uh, their cabin. And he goes, wait, well, what's Johnny doing? And I was like, well, um, I'm leading him to the Lord right now. And he goes, why didn't you get me? I told you at, at breakfast I wanted to get saved, too. So he sat down, and nothing was wrong with his shirt. Nothing was wrong with his shirt, but it was God's timing. It was God putting stuff in order um, to make these things happen. And so Johnny sat down, and... Um, you could just, you, you could just feel the, you know, the Holy Spirit right there with you, You could feel the Lord right there with you as I was talking to these kids, and um, both of them ended up ex- um, getting saved. And as I was asking them questions, well, first of all, right when he, um, Robert got saved, not the one that lost his voice, but the other one, once he got saved, he was crying, and that, well, this is like the toughest guy I thought I can. I thought I 'd never see this guy cry unless you know, he lost a limb or something. But he was crying, and I was like, hey, what's happening, Robert? And he goes, well, I just feel this uh, weight of uh, this heavy burden lifted off my shoulders. And Well, he said this heavy, um, this heavy sin load was lifted off, and he actually used that phrase. And I never even mentioned sin being a load on your shoulders or anything, and he was just crying because he felt relieved. And this kid that couldn't speak, he was the one that had a cussing problem. Well, he's, he never had a problem after that and so it's kind of cool to see how the Lord worked but it was kind of interesting again as I was reading this and seeing that Zacharias was caught off guard I was thinking I was kind of bashing him I was like well you're a priest and you know what's wrong with you but as I started looking back you know there's multiple times where I was caught off guard there was times where I've prayed something believing in it and then as as it didn't get answered time passed and I forgot about it and then later on well it's now it's answered uh, this, I'll, I'll end with this last story, and then I'll give it to Mr. Farrag. But another time that I was caught off guard, and and it's the Lord, you know, preparing the way. I know that I couldn't sleep one night, and I know that a while ago I had prayed, you know, lo, you know, I, I like when I hear those speakers speak, and they go, yeah, you know, um, I was having a hard time, and I couldn't sleep, and at three in the morning, this this sister or brother. Um, at a different house had no clue that they were having trouble calls them and says you know hey I'm praying for you and you know that lifts them up and then you know they're fine again and I was like wouldn't that be cool I'd always kind of want to see that you know I want to see that happen in my own life where I could either call someone or someone could call me if I'm having trouble like like, like middle of the night you know well of course you got to be careful what you pray for um, because one night I, I was really tired. I really wanted to sleep, but I couldn't. And as I was going through the night, I was like, come on, I need to fall asleep. And I couldn't. And at 3 o'clock, I remembered that Kevin was in the academy, and it was 3, and he gets up at 3. So I was like, eh, you know, I'll just, I'll text him uh, a verse and an encouraging word to help start off his day. And I had texted him, and I don't know if it's okay to share the story, but I know that, uh, I didn't even get permission to say it, but, um, I know that usually he gets up and prays, you know, with his family, but for some reason that didn't happen that night. And as I woke up in that that morning, or I wasn't even woken up, but as I was there in the morning, I had texted him encouraging words, saying, "Hey, I'm praying for you. Here's a verse, you know, just uh, keeping you, keeping you in thought." Well, he had said that it ended up helping him because he was bummed, and that helped him encourage his d- for the rest of the day. And then right after I had texted that, I. Had falling asleep like almost instantly once I hit send so it's kind of cool um but are we getting caught off guard are we always looking for the Lord are we staying on our tippy toes are we waiting for him to return um like Bob said this morning the world's getting worse you know and and we're not getting any better but are we waiting for the Lord to come are we um constantly seeking him out are we seeing him in everything we do and I just kind of like to to end on that note I'll give it to Mr. Ferg now.
1: Thank you, Danny. I'm not gonna dispute how did I invite you to speak, but we'll leave it that way. (laughs) But it was good to have you sharing the word and encouraging experience. Uh, I have only about 15 minutes or less, so uh, I, I am uh, really busy to speak about some thoughts. I'm not going to have a big speech, but I'll share you with some thoughts in my heart to you, especially we're living in confusing time, and I want to talk about Christianity, Is it a religion? Or what is it? We know that there is many religions around. But what is the concept of Christianity today? Maybe we can say it is to come, believe in the Lord Jesus, be born again, secure eternity, and go by your life. And I think that's most of the people who think this way. And we can see that Christian the living no difference no different than other people. Did Jesus come down from heaven died for us just to get busy in politics? Did he die for us to bring us to God and we go by our business and we merge ourselves in the life and we accumulate wealth. Did he die? That he can only give us heaven and we give him nothing here. This is the Misunderstanding about Christianity. And I don't like to call it Christianity. I like to call it the Christian life. Are we living Christ's life? Is he in us? Are we enjoying him day by day? Is it a religion that I can do things come to the meeting serve which is good read the bible which is great and i have a routine in my life and then i take his life and then i turn it to be religion because i'm going to be under a system if i don't feel if i don't do it i feel bad are we living By the letter or by the spirit? Is he in us or is he with us? Are we following him or he is walking in us? Are we doing things from our own for him or he is doing it in us and make us do it? by the spirit. This is the big difference. And that's what bring us aside, completely separate. And this is, this comes from one thing, we can read it. I will take one verse, I don't have much time, maybe I will speak about the subject one another time. In, in the book of Epistle, the Epistle of Ephesians, chapter one, Verse 3, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In heavenlies. And I want to talk about what is the word can offer what the religious can offer. Can offer to us the things we can see. What is, this is a great contrast in, in Christianity or in the life of, Christ, of Christian. Seen from religion. Unseen from God. We look at the unseen thing. That's faith. That's a difference. What else? Heavenly as we talk about. Earthly, everything connected here. We get busy. I want to imagine that you are going for a trip, let's say from here to San Francisco, or longer by train. So your destination is San Francisco and you have to stop by Sacramento or somewhere. I don't know the route of the train. And they give you time to stay maybe overnight and then you continue. Imagine you are going to your destination and by the time you're waiting in the other station, you get busy with lots of stuff in this city and you forget about your destination. I think many times we do this. Our destination is heaven. And we are sojourners. And sometimes we forget our destination and we get busy. In the station we are in. This is just a station. We are here for a short period of time. Then the religion will give you what? The thing that temporal, it is just for a moment. What Christ gives us? Eternal. So you got seen and unseen. You got heavenlies. You got earthly. You got temporal. You got eternal. Big difference. A great contrast. Look at the blessings in the heavenlies. Let's go back to the Old Testament. Here's the contrast between the old and the new. Blessings in the Old Testament. Completely, you have to see it. Land, promised land. What they were praying for? For a king, for a messiah to come. Free them from their enemies. Even when Jesus came. They thought that he's the Messiah when he entered Jerusalem. Hosanna, Hosanna. He's going to save us. And they got disappointed when he was not the king, the powerful king. They're looking for the peace. They are tired from fighting their enemies. They're looking for rest. They're looking for righteousness. They're looking for a king to free them from their enemies earthly. Let's look at our Savior, that we are blessed in him. Where is he? Where is he? He's above. He's seated in the right hand of majesty. That's what we are connected to. And the beautiful truth about the relationship between him The source of the blessings in heaven is in Ephesians, the church, the body of Christ, and he is the glorious head. The headship of Christ to the church makes us that we can't be connected to anything else. He is there, and we are connected to him. And do you know something? Paul got this idea that it is not everyone can understand this. And that's why he prayed for the believers, that they might have the in, inner eyes to see these things. It is hard for a carnal Christian to find this treasure. It is something beyond our flesh and mind that we can understand it. It has to be spiritual mind that we can understand these things. And that's why he comes down in verse 15 and he says, 16, cease not to give thanks. For you, making mention of you in my prayers, so he's praying for them. For what? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. We need to pray. He is busy to pray for these people that they might have the understanding that they get the wisdom to know these things. And that's why we have weak church. We have Christian living in the world like like other people never knew the Lord. That's sad. Why? Because the eyes of the heart never been opened To see this treasure, to see this truth, and I add, to see this doctrine that our brother Collins last time spoke about. These are truths, precious truths to know it. What we are in him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope. What is the hope? Do we have hope here? Do we have hope here? Let's talk about hope in a few minutes and we have the power and we have the inheritance. That's what we need to understand. What do we have? Inheritance is not in here. Power, special power. We, We can talk about this power, I'm out of time. But Lord willing, sometimes we can, in the future we can speak about it. But let's talk about hope. Everybody has a plan. You go to school, you graduate, you get a degree. If this is the whole thing? No. There is a hope that you're going to finish and have the job you want. Relationships has a hope. You love somebody. You hope that in the future, you get married, have children. And raise family. Without hope, all the plans wouldn't be any good. Do the hope we have here? No. With Christ, we have individual plans. But in earth, everybody has his own different hope. But the beauty of Christ bringing us in one body, we have one hope. We are united. Even we have different plans. You have different experience with the Lord. The Lord is dealing with you as individuals. You have the way you can deal with the Lord according to your relationship with him, one-on-one. How God you saved is different than other one. But when it comes to the hope, we all share the same hope, that we will be with him In the Father's house. Nothing more, nothing less. We see Him as we heard this morning, as He is. That's our hope. Are we living for this hope every day, day by day? Hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance inheritance, and then what is the exceeding greatness of his power. I will, I can't leave the greatness of his power. Give me just two minutes and I'll talk about this power. The power. And Paul, when he talks about the power, he talks about the power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul didn't know Christ by flesh. And he is appreciating very much this power because he saw him glorified, very powerful when he met him in the way to Damascus. He didn't eat with him. He didn't walk in Galilee with him. He didn't see his miracle. But he saw him in his power, the power that raised him from the dead, and he conquered the dead, the death, and beyond the grave, he went up to heaven. Never stopped there. Lazarus got out of the grave, but he died again. Many been raised, but they died again. Jesus conquered death and forever. Death has no place in heaven. And that's why the same power that raised him from the dead is working on us today. And we we need to pray that we might, God, reveal to us that this power is available to us today. God demonstrated the power in the history. Power with Israel. God them, even, in, let's start with creation. How much power you can see God in this creation is so powerful. God demonstrated his power with Israel. Crossing the sea, defeating Pharaohs and all the army of Egypt taking them all the way. This is the power. Defeating their enemies when they stuck with him, obey him. Power. But the exceeding power, he showed this power in his son, Jesus Christ, the risen savior. And that's our power. Do you know our Christianity is dead is useless, and that's what Paul said. If Christ wasn't risen, our, pre- our preaching is vain, is in vain. We have no hope. We are the most miserable people if he wasn't raised from the dead. But this power, exceeding greatness of his power to us, who believe according to the working of his mighty. That's our Christianity. That's our Christ in us. In us. And I have no time to talk about the doctrine of man. And tradition of man. That is easy for us to follow. And this is, you find it in Colossians. But we'll leave this to another time. But the Lord may bless these thoughts that we know how is our Christianity so great and we don't keep it for ourselves, as Brother Danny said. Let's be ready to give the gospel, to share it. There's nothing like Christ, nothing like our Savior, the one who loved us, the creator, the one who created heaven and earth universe that they can't find the depth of it or the end of it look at the earth and look at the ants called Magdi and loves this person and come to die and make this earthly Magdi to be heavenly to go to heaven that's it's beyond our comprehension Let's give him praise and give him thanks. Blessed God, our Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead, the one who is seated now, and the one who lives in us, and the one we looking forward to see him coming to take us to the Father's house. This is our hope. This is why we live here for him. Bless these words, and bless all The things we hear, not to just love it by listening to it and admire it, but to take it to our hearts and to have understanding and wisdom that we might follow the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.